Our scripture begins in chapter 5 of Paul's letter to the Galatians, and it addresses the topic of the spirit and the flesh. And at first read, at first hearing, it will seem to completely set the flesh and the spirit at odds. But there's more to say. Earlier in chapter 2 of Galatians, we do come across a completely positive use of the word flesh, which in Greek is sarx. Paul writes in chapter 2, the life that I live in the flesh, in the sarx, I live by faith. And that's a completely affirmative use of the word flesh, because there's no other way to live the life of faith except through your own particular flesh, your own body, and your bodily memories and needs, the desires that are you. Faithful flesh, or flesh filled with faith. That's the first thing to notice. The second thing to note is to try to explain the negative meaning that we do receive in our text today. It's key to know the roots of some of the Greek words. In our NRSV translation, which we'll hear in a moment, we hear the verse in 513, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. We have to parse out self-indulgence. It's not at all the word in Greek. The word here is sarx, the same word as before, it's flesh. The Greek actually says, do not use your freedom in the flesh as an opportunity. Okay, and the word for opportunity, is that just like opportunity knocks? What's the word for opportunity? In the Greek, the root of it and the common use would be something like a base camp for a military operation. So in other words, do not use your flesh as an opportunity, as a base for a military operation. Do not use the freedom and the faith you have in your flesh to use your flesh to wage war on one another. The faithful use of flesh is so spirited and so free that it flows with the gifts of the Spirit, of love, and the love for specific, particular, different kinds of flesh, and builds community that values those differences. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become enslaved to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. I feel like I've been here before, preaching on a Pride Sunday in June for First Congregational Church of Van Ellen. And as Pastor Seth said before, at the beginning of the service, it wasn't with you in the flesh as you are today. And I am now sort of much more stably in the United States as I am a permanent resident of your country now, where I wasn't before. I was an international student from Canada. And I live uh, just across the street from Oak Park River, River Forest High School. So there might be some relationship with Glenbard High School. I'm not sure if it's always a friendly one. A competition of the flesh, like we heard here. Um, I, I will, uh, I will preach to you an account of how I came to learn further about the journeys of other LGBT people besides my own as a gay man in my sermon. I invite you to join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, our saving, freeing God. Amen. The very first time that I learned to become mindful of the pronouns that people use, pronouns as a particular way through which a person experiences and receives their own flesh, their own flesh in its relationship to others, was when I arrived at the welcome orientation for new students at the Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago, the journey that eventually took me to you. I remember walking up in line at the table with the folders and the name tags laid out for us. And the student coordinator who was welcoming us said, find your name tag and take your pronouns too. Our pronouns. Yes, to add beside your name, she, her, hers, they, them, theirs, he, him, his, and possibly others, you can write them in. I was from Canada and my roommate who came with me to the orientation at the time was from Central America. We looked at each other, and looked at the table, and looked at the pronouns, and looked at the student coordinator. Take the pronouns that you ask others to address you, she explained. Are you at home with he, him, with she, hers, with they, them? And when she said that word, are you at home with them? What at first seemed like a very abstract exercise in grammar, I quickly realized was about one of the most basic and important human experiences being at home in your own body. The journey which begins for someone taking the steps, arriving at where they would have the courage to tell others about their pronouns and their identity, begins when the very familiar words that others use for you no longer let you feel at home. And not feeling at home in familiar environments, that's something that all of us can relate to and all of us can remember in our own life, history, and journey. For trans, and bi, and non-binary, and queer people, especially who affirm their pronouns with their identities and their names that aren't the, the ones that others have used for them, it's a radical experience. A radical experience of the way body, and feelings, and language, and relationships all come together. I mentioned that this happened 
right at the time I was meeting people from around the world, and so that my roommate, who came with me, was from Central America. My roommate was arriving to study the scriptures and ministry with experiences of forcibly not being made to feel at home, like many others from around the world who were arriving at our seminary. One of our professors that year was a Brazilian whose experience of being a pastor was with peasants in the countryside in the 1970s and 80s in Brazil, when land that had been farmed for generations by subsistence agriculture peasant families was taken by the authorization of the military dictatorship, which we heard the echo in the scripture that I made for you, to take them away from their land so that land that had once been cassava and corn for, for families on a subsistence level was now going to become industrial level soybean production. And my pastor, uh, my professor, who had been a pastor in Brazil at that time, had been called to a place where he ministered with people who had been forcibly kicked out of their homes for this and out of their land. The way that flesh and belonging and home and memories and body and language and care for each other, for food, how it would all come together for them and their feeling of home was radically taken away from them. They were forced onto a painful journey by being taken out of the flesh by the violence of a military campaign. So I was learning about all these things at the same time, hearing my professor talking about his experiences in Brazil, learning from people in my community at the seminary who the reality of their own bodily experiences as trans and non-binary people who in a radical way had come to affirm the way that they feel at home in their bodies in a world that often rejects them with violence. I was learning about bodies and experiences of the flesh and violence of military campaigns from international students around the world. And I'm weaving these things intentionally together for you today so that we could all think about these things together that we might often keep separate. We heard in our scriptures that through faith, the freedom we have for us in our own flesh through Christ is taken out from the power of violent campaigns that would try to house themselves in us and try to house themselves in us in a way that we would oppress others. For Christ has set you free, and be firm. Lay claim to your freedom in God. Use your freedom in your flesh to care for, love, protect the flesh of others whose bodily experiences are different than yours. Faithful, freed, spirited flesh, flesh and faith brought together. Faith and flesh full and not pitted against one another, not instruments in other people's campaigns. So that absolutely, the experiences I try to bring together today are very different. An agrarian community that lives by communal values together for generations on the land kicked off their farms. And trans and non-binary youth or adults coming out and affirming their identity for the first time, they're not, they're different experiences. But what is common and what all of us can relate to is the experience of not being at home in our own bodies and of being forcibly felt, made to feel that way by something in your life and how the scriptures can speak to us in any of these circumstances to call us to the freedom that God has for us. 
I, the, the lesson that I most took away from my Brazilian professor was when he gave us a talk about creation, a lecture. And it was a simple lesson, but I want to return to end it with, for you simply as well. When we give thanks to God for creation, what do we give God thanks for? For the sun, for the trees, for the birds, for the water, for the land, for the earth. And we did that in the very beautiful and moving pastoral prayer moments ago in our service. And the sense of fear and threat to so much that is so easily taken for granted for. We give thanks to God for creation in its goodness. And we also give thanks to God for the way that creation is ongoing. Creation is still happening. And you in the United Church of Christ are particularly well posed in your slogan that's well known, God is still speaking, God is still creating. The very tangible way that that's not abstract is when we give thanks for what other people have done for us that is material. When we give thanks for the food on our table, for example. When we give thanks for the very basic things that make life possible, that other, other people's labor have done. This is what my professor wanted to say, that in his experience with the peasants in Brazil who had been evicted, that as they had to find their way to build a community together, to be a church together, out on the, sometimes it was along the highway, that they had to fashion their church space together on the way, and they had to work together to rely on what scarce resources they had, but thanking God for creation was something that was ongoing and happening it was metabolic, connection to the body, to sarks, to flesh. And I think that's the connection to make with different identities on the LGBT spectrum that are also about God's creation ongoing. That, that a name, that pronouns, that an identity, that a body is not finished in creation, but the way it becomes a gift to others in a community on a specific particular journey of this flesh that is, that is non-binary or that is bi, or is trans. It becomes a gift that others can give thanks to God for. And then we're thanking for an ongoing creation that we are all a part of, whether it's through physical things, or whether it's through people's identities and their body. And so these things may be separate, but also the reality I just want to mention too is that in refugee camps around the world, there are people who are trans and non-binary and, and who experience both physical displacement from a place and threat of physical violence and also in the midst of a community that might be rejecting of them come, come out with their journeys and so things that we might think are, are here in the suburbs but are not far away these things as we, as we go on our own journeys we will discover are woven together and I would have never have thought of this except for the journey that took me to you today and I give thanks for your church and your witness in this community and for um, the, the continual presence that you have given students who have come to serve with you over the years.